2: The Wednesday Week, the Sheffield Wednesday fan podcast. Here we are. Uh, Welcome, my apologies to everybody that joined us at six o'clock, it's because I can't uh, work the internet and find out what time it is where people are in different parts of the world, because I can't do a Google. Uh, Apologies if you did join us at six, what we meant was seven. It wasn't even a typo, I got it wrong. (laughs) However, welcome to another Lockdown Live. Uh, My name's Dan Fudge, we've got Ben, we've got Steve, we've got Simon, Ash and Vic. And join us tonight, as you can see there, in his rather beautiful back garden, it's Mr. (laughs) (laughs) Scott Williams, ladies and gentlemen. Hey. Yes. Hey yes, everybody. Chris. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I appreciate that your, uh, you know, your, your time is short. Now, Chris, uh, I'm going. I'm going to jump straight into it. Uh, I everything I read, it says you were born in Sierra Leone. When, when was it you came over to the UK? Around well, I was four years old. Around wow. Road, so, yep. so being from. Being from, uh, you know, from from there and then coming over at such a young age, you must have been quite impressed. I believe you probably went to London playing for late Norian, I assume, yeah? Yes, correct, yep. So when you got to Yorkshire, <laughs> at such a young age, you must have thought, you know, from such a multicultural <laughs> area as London, to get to Yorkshire, and you must have gone, I can't even understand what these guys are saying, right?
3: Uh, correct, correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I'll try to give you the best. So... It happened, it started when we played Sheffield Wednesday in the League Cup, in the double-header game. We played at Orient first, lost, and then we went up to Sheffield. Um, and I, the thing I'm going to say is, the club did a beautiful job of selling me in those two games. They, they, <laughs> I didn't understand it at the time. I was wondering why, you know, um, Pete Eustace and Frank Clark were having the players play through me in midfield, when at the time at Leighton Orient, we were a very direct team even though the youth team were a very possession-orientated team. So it must have been, I think I played, it must have been like a week later, um, I got a call home from uh, Peter Eustace, which had never happened to have a call from a coach from Orion, ever. And he's saying, hey, Chris, did you like Sheffield? I was like, yeah, I loved it. Would you like to play there? Would love to. He goes, good, because we're going to, we would like to sell you to Sheffield Wednesday. And I'm like, whoa. All right. I, can we speak to your mum? Sure. So I give the phone to my mum, I go into my room, I'm packing. <laughs> <laughs> this is, if I remember right, this is about 10, 11 o'clock at night. I am packing. And my mum's talking to Peter Eustace on the phone. I can't hear what they're saying apart from the last part, which was, I guess he wants to go because he's in his room packing. So at 6am I was picked up, never to return home again. Oh. So my mum didn't have time to adjust. I literally packed, went to bed, kissed the goodbye, and my brother said goodbye in the morning, and I was gone, driven to Sheffield, and then it, <laughs> the hammer dropped. This is Yorkshire. This is not <laughs> London.) <laughs> <laughs> what are they saying? <laughs> oh, so instructions to Sheffield.:
1: Did you now- you in your room then, Chris, or were you put up with a family at first, because obviously you were only 16, weren't you?
3: Yeah, so uh, that was the very last conversation between my agent and uh, Trevor Francis, which was Trevor wanted to put me up um, in housing. And my agent said, you do not need to do that with him. Um, he can take care of himself. So I stayed, I think, in the hotel for over a year till I got my license and I could rent a property. Wow. Um, and I was basically playing and going back and forth with the hotel. Players were picking me up, dropping me off. I mean, they, I was really looked after. I really I think there's an occasion where some of the ground staff took me home after a game because I, I, I finished training the first time. I was like, where's the bus to go home? And they were like, they just laughed at me. i <laughs> like, no, you don't get a bus to go back to the hotel. We'll take you. So a lot of things changed because in London, I just took the bus and train um, to games yeah, I, and, and practices.
2: I think that's it. I think when, when, when northerners go down London, we, we, one of the funniest things that we find is that when people get the mug on, that they've got to wait four minutes for a bus You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, four minutes you've clearly not stood in a field for 45 minutes, <laughs> mate, you know what i mean now um now uh join us tonight chris is stevie uh, you're a bit of a hero of this so i'm going to embarrass him and pass uh pass over to him and and i'll get him to ask you some questions
0: absolutely how you doing chris you all right
3: mate well thank you how you doing steve
0: yeah good thank you um Obviously, we've talked about you coming up, and I'd just um, I'd like to sort of get your first impressions on you know, coming to the club and you know, Trevor Francis signing you, those first experiences of getting into the club and, and, and what was happening
3: there. The first time I walked into the dressing room, um, the first morning, um, I was brought in, and I was sat next to, between Nigel Jemson and Viv Anderson. And Viv Anderson went after me right off the bat. I mean, he, he abused my dress code. Um, <laughs> Nigel Jemson didn't help, and that was my introduction. And then, obviously, meeting the rest of the players um, was was a wonderful thing. But the thing I, I knew I was I had to be aware of was I had to perform right off the bat. You just cannot walk into that dressing room at that age and not perform, because it was a very star-studded dressing room, to say the least. So my first few training sessions were very important that I just got acclimated into the football straight away. Um, I didn't have time to be nervous. Uh, only later, I, re- I reflect, looking back, going, I should have been more nervous, but the players were really welcoming and they educated me in a, a lot of different ways that uh, maybe a lot of young players might not necessarily have access to, that, their experience, the, um, the do's and don'ts. Uh, understand that I'm going to make mistakes, but I was held accountable, and my age wasn't an excuse. Yeah. If I made a mistake, it was simply because I made a mistake. So it was welcoming, but also I had to understand there was a standard. And yeah. once I accepted that standard and responsibility, it made my life with those guys, Um, I felt, a lot easier.
0: And the culture at the club at that point was obviously one where we, you know, we we're, were in that sort of transitional period. It was almost, many of us, like the, the heyday of the promotions, the, you know, the finishing third. Getting to two finals in '93, um, finishing seventh in that year as well. Um, sure. Some real talented players there. You know, you know. Um, did there, was, was that sort of was there a feeling around the club at that time that we were onto the you know on the verge of something really really major?
3: I would say, that, if I reminisce, the feeling dressing room was one of excitement and fulfilment. You know, especially in those early days, um, getting to two finals was an incredible feat. And I missed the part where I, I had to go play in the World Youth Cup, so I missed what a month, six weeks to to maybe two months. Um, but there was a real competitive edge to each player, and everybody felt that they deserved to play, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. I remember one of the pros saying to me, you know, "You know, sometimes you have to still buy your time," and I was like, "No." It's not about buying my time. It's about me believing that I'm good enough to be in this dressing room with you. If I, if I don't think that, then I will not be in this dressing room. So yeah. it's a case of me balancing act of being a teenager, but also, again, just being accountable. But the, the, the atmosphere was wonderful, uh, especially, I think, Ron was the previous manager, and Trevor um, added his own um, experience to it. Certainly for me, as a teenager, I had great help and had to deal with a lot of situations situation and being in that that. that that situation that he put me in.
2: I mean um, don't 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 be shy, Chris. You can name names if you want, but like, you know what I
3: mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like your friend who was the, the other, what Brighty, I mean, what's she saying? What's got about Obviously <laughs>
4: <laughs> t- I've got a question if you don't mind. I, I ask Chris Dash. Sure. Um, obviously uh, Steve mentioned there about the the cup final and uh well the two cup finals ninety three uh, Having been being signed by Trevor, Do you, were you a little bit disappointed not to make the starting line-up for the, for the final? I know you came on, but for, us, for so, all of us, to start a game for Wednesday would be beyond imaginable. But at
3: Wembley as well, um, to obviously walk out would be great. So, okay. it was hard for Trevor because, again, I would returned back from the Youth World, Youth, um, World Cup. And if I remember, the next game that we had was probably the semi-final, semifinal yeah. So I didn't play in that. And I didn't get changed in that game, which was really disappointing, but I understood. But not to start in the final, especially when we had three games and it was kind of obvious that fresh legs were needed because it was pretty much 22 players going at it. Um, and then you go into extra time. It, that's, as a coach now, that's what I thought at the time, which was. This needs some fresh legs. Um, and looking at especially the Arsenal defence was so stubborn. We, we needed to score. And I felt that that was something that I could contribute to. But at the, end of the day, when Trevor made his decision to give me limited time, it, you have to accept it. Um, but that was one of my, my, that was a disappointment. I just felt that I was in a place where I could have contributed more.
0: I've heard you talk about, I've heard a couple of interviews where you've talked about the sort of the aftermath and the hangover from losing two cup finals, you know, in yep. the same sort of year. Um, in any way, and I know it was a little bit further on, was it in any way one of the contributing factors to getting on? I know you, you felt like you needed a fresh a fresh start and a change. Was it one of the factors that led to that? Yeah.
3: Um. I would say yes, if I can be. Yeah, I think it was. It wasn't because we lost. It's because there was there was effects from that loss in the in the locker room, from my point of view, where it wasn't. It was such a disappointment that it was just hard to move on, and for us to reconnect and come together and build. And then I think we we lost a couple of players in that off season, um, and obviously Addison. But the chemistry going into the the, the following year, it just wasn't the same. Mm. And then for me, I had to look at, I'd been there for so long and I was still on the very same contract that I started with. And so advice I was given by pros was, well, after a year, they should have really given you a contract. After two years, they should have probably given you a contract. After three years, they probably should have done this two years ago. And then in the final year, it was a case of me going, okay, let me see what this what the club does. And to me it was like too little too late. I felt unwanted and, and not valued at that stage. And I'm and I can't and I shouldn't stay somewhere that you don't feel that. Even though the club did try to keep me, it just felt like too little too late. Like I was an afterthought. Um and there is no blame. Um I still love the club. It was a really tough decision, but it was the right one because you want to play for a club because you believe in what they they're doing and the direction they're going. But I just felt like I was an afterthought.
4: So, Chris, you, obviously Trevor Francis, <clears throat> Trevor Francis signed you. So, yep. what, what was he like as a what was he like as a manager for you? Because some of the senior pros, you know, some of the
5: stories that were here, there were some sort of t- you know, there were tension and stuff, and not everybody got on with
3: him. Uh, I never had any tension with Trevor. I just didn't I just felt that he was one person that really understood um a lot of things I was going through and he kept um a healthy distance and relationship with me as a as a player. Um, I think it's tough being a player manager in that particular squad. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. It, that, that, you <laughs> that's what I would say. You're
1: player manager don't
3: you, until you said that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh because one minute he's on the sideline, next minute he's running around with us. And when you're running around with us, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going, get, you're going to get tackled, you're going to get kicked. And anybody that doesn't like your decision-making, you're definitely going to get hurt. So that was a balancing act that I watched unfold. Um, and it was, it was hard for him. But for me personally, I could see there was tension because it's normal for players to be disappointed they're not playing. And it's even more disappointing if the manager puts himself in the starting lineup ahead of... <laughs> so, <I'm playing. laughs>
5: so, 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 Chris, are you, are you saying then that when Trevor was sort of um, training with you and on the pitch with you, that certain players who probably were at odds with him probably had a bit of a go at Trevor physically when they were playing, just took it out in a tackle or some things along those lines?
3: No, what I'm saying is um, there were players who played very physical in training regardless <laughs> of who was playing.
5: No, End you're being very, very, very diplomatic. No,
3: no, 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 no. I'm gonna agree with, I, I will agree with your your statement that this I guess if there's they're both players that was upset. Yes. But there were very there were some very physical players that they didn't care that Trevor if Trevor was on the field, you're no longer the manager. And that's it. It was just a fair game. And Trevor understood that. Trevor never complained when he got kicked. Um I, I think I remember sometimes one of the players saying. Hey Trevor, you know he fell over and he goes, "Stop! This is not the San Siro. Can't roll over and get fouled here. This is Hillsborough." In fact, you know what? There's Richie Barker, the assistant manager. He said, "Trevor, it's not the San Siro. It's Hillsborough. So stop running around and get on with the game." Yes,
2: naming names, CBW. I love naming names. I'm all up for that. All...
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I should have said it. one of the things that I've read about you, Chris, is that obviously Viv Anderson was a huge like praise for you everywhere you went and um, and he actually compared you to Ryan Giggs like that is that's got to be pretty special I mean in my job I get compared to Sarah in the other department so it's not quite <laughs> So how like obviously you moved into an apartment on your own at 16 you moved to, like to a Premier League club at 16 you managed to like live a life and somehow not go completely off the rails or like Miley Cyrus style and then to be compared to Ryan Giggs, like how do you keep your head level with stuff like that?
3: Uh, first of all, that's a great comment which I I didn't realise. But Viv, Viv was um, Viv was just amazing in the sense of he just held me accountable. He held me accountable and did not waver from that. Um, treat you like an so, equal, and he, sorry, did
4: it like treat you like an equal, even though you were yes, yeah, a lot yeah. a lot and, younger and, and,
3: and inexperienced. Yeah. And I think I had to earn it. And that's why I say in my early ses- training sessions and performances, you have to perform. And you can't use your age as an excuse to, to not perform or make mistakes. That was just not how I was treated. And it was a hard-knock dressing room. I mean, go for it. You've got like Nigel Pearson, Viv Anderson, John Harkes, Sheridan, Hursty, Hirsty, uh, Danny Wilson. I mean, these are no-nonsense pros um, who, who have a lot of experience and accountability and skill. And so to win those guys over, says a lot. Um, but it's, it's, what's funny about Ryan Giggs is that we played against each other for, he played for Wales, I played for England. And it was probably about two months earlier, maybe three months earlier, I can't remember the, the length of time. But we actually got into it during the game. And this, the, game was, the game was in Wales at Wrexham, I believe. And we got into it during the game and then the game ended and we played Manchester United and we're in the tunnel and we went outside the dressing room and, Many night players came out, and who's next to me? Ryan Giggs. We both looked at each other. We pointed like, you! Like, we recognised each other and like, all right, let's let it go. (laughs) And so then we went out and played. But he was a phenomenal player. Um, And it's ironic that Viv compared me to him because Ryan just had a competitive edge that was unmatched and completely
5: deserved the success that he had. Simon, have you got one? Well, I was I was going to say to you because you look at where well, you came from, Leighton Orient, and and into a squad of what effectively were superstars at the day compared to a young lad who was 16. When yep. you first arrived at Hillsborough and you went into that changing room and you met met those sort of people, what was the first thing that went through your mind as a 16 year old lad from London coming up to Sheffield, which you know even now is a completely different city to London? You walked into. Sure. A changing room full of what were at that time superstars. What was the first thing that went through your head, Chris? Because I know my head would have just gone, bang. You know? <laughs> what, were you a level-headed lad or were you just starstruck at first? I mean, your talent was uh, superb. What your pitch was superb. But what did you think? I think
3: my upbringing came through and uh, i mean, my mum and certainly the coaches at Orient. I was grounded. It was a case of, okay, here it is. And this is what you've got to do. It was just do your, I like, kind of just do your job. I didn't have time to be emotional until probably, um, it was two months later when Trevor dropped me from the start in 11 and I was really pissed and, and um, Frank, our reserve team manager, pulled me aside and went, hey, teenager, you've just played something like 12, 15 games. Your body and mind are tired. You need to come to the reserves, regroup, and then go back. And I was like, Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, got it. <laughs> so I I had, <laughs> yeah. I had that um, support system around me, not only at Hillsborough, but at Orient. Um, but at Orient, what they did was, when we were 13, they had us as U14 playing against semi-pros for two years. So playing against men was something I was really comfortable with when they put me in the, with a senior team. So by the time I got to Hillsborough, it was like, I'm just playing against... Guys, again, because we again we were trained to play against semi-pros, and we were getting ourselves smashed 10-0, 12-0. But Orient had a development model that was about getting us acclimated to playing against grown men. So to walk into that dressing room, I didn't see them as superstars until later on, because I was focused on just performing.
5: Yeah.
3: Um, which fantastic. is probably the right thing to do, because yeah. if I if I got distracted in any other way, I may have had
2: a different result. Wow. The um. Uh, on the on the back of Simon's question about what did you think, I, I asked this of a lot of players that first time. I mean, you came from Brisbane Road. I think yep. it was known back back in you know back in yes. opal opal fruit days. Um, the that to that to compare that moment must have been huge for you. But then to walk out of the pitch at Hillsborough when we were having a really rich time of it when it when it was going really well. I mean, that must be a hell of a moment, right? It was,
3: especially the fact that we we're playing. Our, my first game was Arsenal, so I watched the the Sheffield Derby the week before, and I was in the stands with the Wednesday fans, and that was an amazing experience. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the singing, the chanting, the wisecracks, even though some of it I couldn't understand. It was just a great, <laughs> It was a great place to start, to watch the pregame uh, ritual with the players, and then go up to the stands, and get accustomed to the fans. Um, that's the one thing that stood out, which was, you can't come here and mess around because the fans were very passionate, very serious, um, which was obviously different to Orient, no disrespect. So that was certainly uh, <laughs> had an impact. But when I came out um, against Arsenal, and the Arsenal players, because I was from London, said, you know, good luck, make sure, you, and the near right said, hey, listen, and Paul Mursen, enjoy this. That resonated me after the game, where it suddenly I was sat down in my corner going, holy shit, I just played Arsenal's first team. That's when that kind of sunk in. And then from there, I just kind of refocused to, to kind of get on my job. But it was something that I realized at a moment was this was huge. And for Trevor to have put me in that lineup at that stage was about trust. So I felt obligated to make sure that I tried to always perform because someone to do that at that age in that game is, is pretty – shows a lot of confidence and trust in a teenager.
2: Yeah, uh, so, it, it upsets me just how, how much how young you are to be honest, Chris. When I was when I was researching I, and and noticed you were only four years older than me, and I used to watch you when I was twelve. Just, piss, <laughs> just pisses me off if I'm honest. Like, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ben, I got, you off I've then. Got, I've got a question. <laughs> go on Ash, go on Ash. Right. Um,
4: what? Uh, I know it's a probably a question, but what? One thing stands out for you at your time at Sheffield Wednesday. Is there one thing? Is it making your debut like you think, or is there anything different that we might not know that you just thought that that really uh, sticks in my mind for Sheffield Wednesday?
3: I think there's two there's two two sides to that. There's the, the, the negative side and the positive side. So the worst moment I think wasn't the losing the finals. That that wasn't it. It was when Sheffield United beat us at home and they they thumped us, that hurt, that one hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the, the amazing thing was, the next day we we had training and I think it was Des Walker said, I think it was Des Walker said, you've got to put that in the trash and put that down to just a a, a, a bad freak performance. Cuz you can't use that loss to have a sucky season. And that was a big thing to say because I think it could have gone really downwards from there, but thankfully it didn't. And we talk about we could have maybe even got relegated if we had not got our heads together. So that one was that hurt against losing to them. The Leeds one was painful, but that, losing Sheffield United at home that that was that was that hurt the most. Um, positives, I think the positive time for me was the week of the FA Cup. I know the games. Um, it, we, we know we lost, but just the build-up, the anticipation, the interaction with the fans, the whole club, from um, the, you know, the kit man, the clean ladies, the, the, uh, Annie, our din- dinner lady who fed us and gave us coffee every day. Um, it was just a wonderful week. And that's what I remember as a kid, thinking about how do you prepare for... We used to watch the FA Cup when we were kids, a match a day. And you think, how do they prepare for this game? Well, I got to see that up close and personal, and it's just an amazing build-up. You know, family wanting tickets, friends wanting tickets, (laughs) the whole build-up. And then to walk out, to walk up that tunnel, looking back in history and how many players have done that, come out to that sensational sound Mm. was memorable. And to be in a Wednesday shirt at that moment was something really special.
2: That, that list of players is not going to get any longer, is it? I mean, obviously because you, you kind of judge old Wembley and new Wembley, don't you? So yeah, yeah. You, you, you came out of Wembley and that list of players is, isn't is going to get any bigger. You know, you're, you're, in, you're in some alumni there, Chris. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yes. uh, sorry, sorry, Ben, I cut you off earlier. My apologies. Uh, no, well,
4: well, just while we're about special
3: moments, what were it like playing in Europe? Man, <laughs> what a change in atmosphere, especially the home games that we had. It was just... It was amazing. It's hard to put your... Um, put it into words. But the tempo of the game is faster than the Premier League games. It's just... You're playing against even quality competition. But the, the... The fan, the buzz of the fans in the stadium was just electrifying. It was different. There's a different feel from Premier League games, especially derby games, to FA Cup games. Like, FA Cup games, there's a, there's a wonderful buzz in the, in the atmosphere. But for Europe... It was just, it was magnificent. It really was. And it's it's just something that I wish we had more of an opportunity to have had on that time of Wednesday.
2: That's, uh, I can tell you what that buzz is actually, Chris, because at the European games, you don't serve beer at the stadium. So everybody's pretty tanked up, like, you know, by the time you only get <laughs>
3: I'm going to go a bit further, which is Yorkshire definitely opened my eyes to the social elements. <laughs>
4: You're not saying you were a member of a Tuesday club or anything like that. But <laughs> this, is so,
5: this is something I wanted to get onto.
3: People in Sheffield are professionals, they're socializing. <laughs> Cheers, Chris.
5: <laughs> yeah, I Don't, uh... Don't know what you mean. I've got to plug in. Yeah.
4: No, I wanted wanting to get onto this because there were a couple of stories I've heard from, like, on different podcasts, from, mainly sure. from lads at Forest. Because so we've had Mark Crossley on, that you will have yep. played with, of course, and I've listened to a couple of different ones. That I think, is it, Alan Rogers. Yeah, Alan um, Rogers, yep,
3: yep, yep.
4: And I yep, think yep, it him right. that mentioned that uh, on nights out, you were always just the one in charge of the kitty because you didn't never had a drink. <laughs>
3: That, so, yes. Yeah, so I, I kind of had a double standard, Just so we clear, so uh, <laughs> during, during, during my English career, no, I didn't touch that, I was always Coke, pineapple, lemonade, I held the kitty, and I was the one to make sure certain boys got home to their wives, because if they, if I wasn't going out, they, were, they weren't allowed start to go out. Start naming <laughs> names Chris <laughs> Clark Williams!
2: I no, need God. you to start
3: naming names! i put it in my book. <laughs>
2: Oh. By the book
3: like, is Chris oh. out? okay you can go out because at least I know you're going to go home <laughs> if, we just
4: start, if we just start saying names and he, what's the reaction? just just throw names
2: <laughs> sorry I'm just I'm just googling I'm on Amazon now Chris Paul Williams book
3: it there certainly was Alan Rogers I'll say that much but um, <laughs> uh, but when we went abroad to Italy, well, to Italy for treatment or You had to have a glass of wine, you couldn't say no because it's part of their culture. So, even though I didn't like it, I would have sips of wine, which I felt was disgusting at the time. So, that was my double standard. When I was abroad, I did have a glass, but when I was at home, I just didn't drink until I retired.
1: Is that why you chose (laughs) to retire abroad?
3: Is that why you went to Cyprus? I went to Cyprus, I needed a tan. Number one, (laughs) (laughs) suntan was number one. Two, they absolutely. Wooed me, which was not hard to do. Apparently, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to. I wanted to play abroad. Um, I had an opportunity, and David Platt, we just wouldn't let me go to play in Italy, even though um, a couple of teams came in for me. He says, Chris, there's no way I can let you go. Just no. Um, so I wanted to experience the difference in in Cyprus, and, and there is a there's a distinct difference. Um, training environments, train trained seven o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock at night which you know, was just weird to say the least. Yeah. Um, the humidity all day, having to stay of the sun and having siestas. It was just a wonderful experience. And then to add that to, I just wanted to add that to my, to my list of accomplishments, just getting abroad and having a taste of that. Um, it was good for me. And I think for a lot of English players, they need to sample that um, because you get coached differently as well mm-hmm. in a different manner. Um, we have wonderful english coaches but to be whereas with the the international coaches is great experience and i had a, a wonderful coach at apoel
2: do you feel there's a snobbery with british coaches that we we kind of look down on everybody else's game yeah we're british
3: we you be
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay you so, um, go i, so think, what, I think, go on. ahead go ahead all right i was i was just gonna, I, i'm just a bit conscious of time that's all how long have we got that's 10 right. minutes I've got to have a, yeah, I can give you ten minutes. That's fine. <laughs> okay, no problem. Right, so um, I just I need to ask you this uh, because it was something that um, that uh, John Newsom picked up at, uh, when when we spoke to him. Now, you, you I think you guys missed each other a little bit at Sheffield Correct, Wednesday, yep. but but you um, but you have both played at different points of your career for Ron Atkinson. Yeah, and the reason Simon asked the question he did before was about um, was about a story that he told us about that uh, Ron Atkinson was a bit of a Let's call him abrasive, and and didn't yeah you know, didn't really uh, endear himself to the players a lot of the time. And uh, and you played with him uh, sure. with your time at Forest as as he tried to save you to stop going down that year. And he he told us a story at the end of training. You would you, as you probably do now with your coach, you play a small sided game. And yep. the players used this opportunity to kick ten bells of shit out of Ron Atkinson. Uh, did you? Did you ever, you know, did you have a bite of that cherry? Or did some of the other lads have a bite of that cherry? You know what I mean? Because I, I need to know about it.
3: So here we go, uh, my time was <laughs> run. run.
2: Where's my popcorn? Where's my bloody popcorn?
3: <laughs> <laughs> so my time of run is different to most. So I, when he arrived, he put me to the pastures in the reserves. Mm-hmm. So I did not get, you know, his first game was, I think um, we had Mad You. Arsenal and I was on the bench for that game. After that, for three four, three, four, four, four months, I was with the reserves. Like he just sent me to banishment. And it wasn't until we went to Aston Villa away in March or April, he brought me back into the team, played me for half an hour. And after that game at Aston Villa, he went, he laid into me. I played 20 minutes. You would have thought I'd play the whole game. We were relegated that day. And it was a moment where he was yelling at me, and I stood up, and I'm gonna tell this story. Sorry, Ron, you have to suck it up, too bad. Um, I stood up, and went, are you fucking kidding me? I played 20 (laughs) minutes. You put me out in banishment for four months, and this game is on me? I stood up, took my clothes off, walked past him, went in the showers.
1: That's it. Sashayed out of
3: ass naked. You know, that was the that's the short version, but I, I had to say to him, no, I, I no. And then the, what he said to us to be after was, right, everybody's gonna be training tomorrow morning, nobody's going to the PFA awards. And I was like, that doesn't bother me because that's not gonna help me to train tomorrow morning. I'm in the reserves, are you kidding me? So we trained and then here's where it become fun. Somebody got injured, and then he put me in the starting lineup. So, sorry, let me go back. On the Monday, this is Saturday, so train Sunday, on the Monday, we had a reserve game at Leicester away. And what Ron didn't know was I knew he was going to turn up for that game to judge me. The first time he ever came to watch me was at the reserves at Leicester. So I told those boys, we are going to perform tonight because this guy is not going to win this battle with me. So we went out. We had a tremendous first half. I can't remember, I don't know where we won, but we didn't lose, but whatever. He comes at half time, and it's the one time where, we have got to give Ron credit. He went, you know what, Mark Williams, that was a good first half. Went, thanks, Ron. After <laughs> that game, we're back in the team. Wow. And that's when we went to that stupid run where we won all the games to the end of the season, even though we'd been relegated. Yeah. And after the season, he turned to me and went, why did you play, for, play like that earlier? And I said, Ron, you were watching Man United in Champions League, Your assistant coach despises me. Hello, I'm playing the reserves in in Mansfield and nobody's there watching, apparently. And so you should have known that I knew, which was I'm a poor man's Roy Keane when Frank Clark brought me here. That this team doesn't perform unless you have a similar player to my skill set. It's Forrest. But you should know that because you coach big time teams. And he was like, and he was apologetic, but he. He wasn't wrong, but he was wrong, if that makes sense. Coaches make mistakes. Like I've learned that as a coach. Players make mistakes. But the ones I'll give him credit for, run, he owned it. Fair. He owned it. You know, he, he owned it. So I didn't get to participate on his um plane because I was ousted. So if it had plagiar, they'd
0: have stayed up, basically, yeah? no, no, no. no, <laughs> <even> no. <laughs> Just quicker. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, does Does anybody else have any last question before? Well, okay. One
1: really big one. Wait.
2: Go on. Sorry,
1: I've had three people ask me this question, and it is one that I wanted to ask you myself. Sure. So, what were you listening to on <laughs> those <that laughs> massive headphones on? Oh,
3: yeah. So. I... <laughs> I had a
1: diverse. So like or something.
3: So, no, so I was listening to I was listening to Eight a, a bit oh. of Public Enemy. <laughs> um, what else I was listening to? Uh, not Carl Kelly. Yeah, it's mostly mostly hip hop and and R and B at the time. Wait, um, well, if it's happened, was, so, your you nickname know was was wasn't it? Yeah, that's what. Yeah. So the funny thing is. That was my way of watching the game and enjoying myself. It's the FA Cup. Like, I. so Trevor wasn't even mad at me because he realized I didn't do anything to um, be disrespectful to him. It was a case of I really enjoyed, like I said, the week leading up to this. I had two choices, moan and mope around and be miserable behind the bench or say, you know what, I'm not playing, but I'm going to make this a joyous day. I went with the joyous day. So, yeah. for those who are offended, too bad. I had a great time. Looks <laughs> 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 <laughs>
5: If you look, if here. If you look now, Chris, every player's yep. got a set of cans on. They go I to a match all and they're all... They've set all got. So, you, exactly. you, set, you set a trend, mate. You set a trend. They just didn't know. They just didn't know. I should
2: have... What else? What else okay. you got for me? Uh, Well, Vic's, Vic's going to take you out with some quick-fire questions. She's going to sure. fire them at you. Quick as yep, you can, fine. Chris, and then we'll, uh, we'll we'll wrap it up for you, brother. Because I know you've got you you know it's, it's the middle of the day, this you know you've probably got dinner to get to or something like. You
4: know? it's <laughs> work. It's got work. <laughs> it's work.
3: Fair yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm actually coaching some very talented players this afternoon, ironically. Oh. <laughs> oh but go ahead. Go ahead. Uh,
1: who do you still speak to that you were with at Wednesday? Oh
3: my. God. Uh,
1: the last person I spoke to was.
3: John Ox. I saw John Ox. Paul Williams is over here.
1: Okay. Uh, who, else? who
3: else? Yeah. Because yeah. John Ox and Paul Williams are over here in the States. Yeah. Cool.
1: Okay. Uh, who was the best player you've ever played with? Oh,
2: you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you say Alan Rogers or Steve Stone, I'm going to get a bit pissed off with Chris. <laughs>
3: uh, I, I, I'm going to say Chrissy Waddle. Yeah. Obs. It's yeah. hard to. It's, you know, it's hard. <laughs>
1: Now, that obviously, I've read that you do still follow us now. So, if you're looking at the team that we've got now, who do you think you would have liked to have played alongside?
3: Oh, you know what? You can't ask me that question.
1: Yeah. Well, no, everyone you know. else says yeah. Stephen Fletcher. So, I mean, just fill it in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll all, all I'll it. <laughs> That's who I'm going to go with. <laughs> uh, who was the class clown?
3: Oh, You know what? That was between... Three people, Viv, John Hawks and Nigel Jimson even though he had the dry sense of humour for some reason.
1: <laughs> uh, who was the worst dressed?
3: Viv Anderson! <laughs> <laughs> he dressed like a white boy, I'm sorry. He just <laughs> just like a white
1: boy. no about doubt. Wednesday?
3: No, sorry? Do
1: you have any regrets about your time at Sheffield Wednesday? Oh, hell no, 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 absolutely <laughs> not, no,
3: no, no.
1: Awesome, thank Amazing. you so much.
2: You're
3: very welcome, Amazing. my pleasure.
2: Chris, my pleasure. we're going we're to let you go to work now. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And uh, I know Vic's in love with you now and I think I'm a bit gay for <laughs> you as well. Oh, so, um... yeah,
4: me too. I think, I think we've got plenty of main crushes going on there. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: was okay, my pleasure. Mark.
3: Thanks for having me. Okay, big round of applause. Thanks a lot. Chris oh. Matt, Williams! Cheers, Chris. Thanks a lot. I really Thanks, appreciate Chris. it. Chris. Matt, Thank you. Brilliant. Brilliant
2: check this don't i that would be right embarrassing wouldn't it because i i have literally broke many a speed limit today to get back from bristol so wait chris is available at 2 p.m edt now when i googled it that meant 6 p.m our time oh it
0: no,
1: seven is, is it seven yeah 100%.
2: <laughs> is it really I thought it was six hours.
4: <laughs> well, six hours would be eight o'clock, dickhead.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, no, look, there you are. So, 13.02, Western... Uh, Eastern Time is the... Se- Wait, no, EDT. Yeah,
4: now it's saying it's 13.02. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, isn't it? Wait. 8pm, PM, That's time
5: back on. Can
0: we just get this photo? What time
1: phone is, phone is, phone is it in... <laughs> what
4: time do know,
0: is it then? I don't know where
1: he lives because last it's week 1 pm EDT at the moment. Yeah. Dan, you, oh, right, so 7. Right.
2: <laughs> you yeah. are. Um,
1: no, we've got another one. Yeah, you hour told to him 2 pm
2: 2pm EDT. Yeah.
1: EDT. And now 1 pm EDT. I want not be a minute. Which means be hour, 6 then. then you can oh, be an hour, hour. later.
2: <laughs> Wait, what's that?
4: <laughs> Dan, you're wrong, man.
2: <laughs> so can I go home? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I Google it up against GMT, and then it's got... Right, let me show you what I'm looking at Yeah, but at we're here.
1: not GMT at the moment. We're an hour ahead. An hour ahead. BST.
4: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so oh glad you're recording this. I'm you so glad so you're recording no, no, no. you it's fucking winding me up or what? No.
1: We go, hours go forward a bit, so now we're on British Summertime, BST, which I'm is I'm going to get more off on Twitter
2: hardier now, aren't I? if anybody's saw oh. It's
1: bad enough. Uh, I told everyone it was yesterday. yesterday.
2: <laughs> and now, it's down been de- down. now we're delayed an hour. It's not 6pm here. Is it? So, so, right, I've got...
1: Oh, sorry.
2: GMT. Are we, we, on, are we BST then right now?
1: BST, are we? yeah, British yeah. summertime. How old are you, Dan? Did
2: you- <laughs> I just thought we are always on GMT. like Oh, really?
1: oh God.
2: And Simon stayed around for work for this, Annie. I have fucked everybody's life up. fun. The Wednesday Week, the Sheffield Wednesday Fan Podcast. It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing, ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points, back of the net. Lubosh. Automatic delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information.
3: See you later. Hold
0: up.